Hi everyone, this is Fatime Keshavars and I am opening another episode in Radio Rumi, um, a series of conversations about the poetry of Jalaluddin Rumi, the 13th century poet and mystic um, who was born in Iran and grew up in Anatolia in Turkey and his words are now translated into many, many languages across the globe. And interestingly enough, he addresses so many issues which are meaningful to us today and in our lives in the 21st century, almost anywhere on the globe. One more reminder that you can write to me in Radio Rumi at umd.edu. Again, Radio Rumi as one word um, at umd.edu. I'm a professor at University of Maryland and it's been my pleasure to teach things poetic and mystical. And Rumi has been one of the centers of my research and teaching. Um, I must say I feel um, very lucky to have been in that situation. Okay, um, what are we going to do today is slightly different in that while I will be reading quotes and uh, um, um, referring to Rumi um, a lot, I will focus on another personality, a very important figure in Rumi's life known as the Shams of Tabriz. The reason why I'm doing that is that Shams is known to be uh, one of the most influential people um, on Rumi's life and thinking, and particularly in changes that happened in Rumi's life and thinking. Um, also, there are a lot of legends about them, about their relationship, about how meeting each other changed Rumi's life entirely. And it would be interesting to look at what those changes were and um, to what extent we should see Shams as the entire source of, um, of all those um, decisions or changes or, or developments in Rumi's life. I don't think it is particular only to Persian cultures, probably to many of our cultures um, across the world, that important people like Rumi, like Shakespeare, like Dante, like um, many others like them, usually have a lot of stories built around them. 
and part of that is because people just love to talk about these figures and find ways of speaking about them. Um, another reason is that they try to find explanations. You know, when you think about somebody like Rumi who wrote thousands and thousands of verses, sometimes you think that all that creativity, all that poetic fountaining of energy from one individual is hard to believe. And so we start thinking about who's responsible for that. So who is Shams and where did he come from? And how did Shams and Rumi meet? Shams's full name is Shams ad-Din Ali ibn Malikdad of Tabriz. Ibn, which means son of. Um, so it's Shams, son of Malikdad of Tabriz. And um, really what we know about him from what he said is that he was, he was a learned person. He was trained in many um, uh, traditions of his time, being religious, being scientific, being philosophical. The only other thing we know about him is that he was known to be um, a basket weaver, a zambil bof, or salabof, which means a basket weaver. Now, basket weaving itself has become a beautiful metaphor for building one's own personality. So in that sense, Shams is interesting because he kind of um, could be a metaphor for somebody who gradually weaves together his own existence or other people around him. He certainly had an impact on Rumi's. Now, when sometime around the year 1244, um, when Shams was probably ex approximately uh, 60 years old, he arrived in the city of Konya in central Turkey where Rumi uh, lived um, with his family. When I say central Turkey, that's present-day Turkey, but usually we refer to it as Anatolia at the time. So he must have been born around 1180 or so. And all of his life, uh, the city of Tabriz, which is in northeast of present-day Iran and is one of the major centers of culture and carpet weaving and poetry writing and calligraphy and architecture, a major urban center. Now, all chances life, this major urban center was also the scene of a lot of um, upheaval and military confrontation between various peoples and various rulers, rather, in the region. Those upheavals were usually caused by rulers, not ordinary people. But ironically, ordinary people got caught in between much more than the rulers did. Now, the other thing that I can tell you about Tabriz that may be of significance is that about a century before um, Shams was born, there was a huge earthquake in the city of Tabriz, and a, a good part of the city had been seriously affected by it. So there was a there, there was a lot of trauma, if you like, in the life of um, 
this man who's about 60 years old who arrives in the city of Konya. Um, at the same time, when James was a young person living in uh, Tabriz, there were a lot of mystics there. People who basically had teachings about God being accessible, God being interested in ordinary people, God that could be um, accessed um, or connected with through just ordinary love and speaking and it didn't require a lot of specialized knowledge in order to be a godly person. Rather, um, while one's mind mattered, one's heart also mattered a lot. Um, Shams was also a person who had traveled a lot. He had, we know from what he speaks about later on when he is in the city of Konya, where Rumi lives, we know that he's been to Baghdad in, in Iraq, present-day Iraq, in Damascus or Damascus in present-day Syria, in the city of Aleppo in Syria, in Kayseri and Aksaray and Sivas and Arzanjan in present-day Turkey. And afterwards, of course, he, he arrives in the city of Konya. Um, one date given for this is November 29th of 2044. I'm not sure how exactly that matters, but if you are one of those people who's interested in fine details, that's the fine detail about the time that Shams arrives in Kenya. And probably um, Rumi is at the time uh, about 38 to 40 years old. So he's no longer a very young, inexperienced, inexperienced man, but he's not the same age as Shams either. So Shams does have that advantage of being more experienced, which at the culture of the, at the time is a big advantage. Now, the first time Shams comes to um, Konya, there are lots of stories about what happens. At the time, Rumi teaches in a school, so he's much more a learned scholar of religion who passes on all the learning that he has gathered in the city of Aleppo and Damascus and Baghdad because his father sent him, that's Rumi, out there to study. So he's teaching those things he has learned. And he probably has a good deal of pride also in all of that learning for good reason. But um, nonetheless, a kind of pride in that. So according to the stories, this wandering dervish, this very uh, skinny man um, uh, who, who uh, is kind of not really urban looking and refined looking, walks into the school and makes a big impression on Rumi. Um, some say that... Um, he asks questions that Rumi doesn't have any answer for. Some say he performs a miracle by throwing some papers into the water and then taking them out unharmed and undamaged. Whatever it is, it's about um, the, what the kind of the popular imagination build around it is about how he in one instant impresses Rumi by giving him one major message. Does all 
that you have learned matter so much that you shouldn't pay attention to other ways of improving yourself and growing and changing. And whether those stories of um, performing miracles or asking questions that Rumi doesn't have an answer for, whatever is true or is not, there's certainly a great impact on Rumi in that he begins to question whether scholastic knowledge, book knowledge, is enough, or whether he should actually experience whatever he's talking about. And don't forget that for mystics, for many mystics, um, experiential knowledge is the core of learning. It's what changes us. That's why, if you remember earlier on, I've talked about this, one of the terms that mystics use all the time, Sufis in particular, is zoh, or taste. That is, you taste something. In Persian we say, you have a zoh for poetry. That is, you're one of those people who can taste the great taste of poetry, and you have come into experience, um, encounter with poetry. You've been touched by poetry, not just learned it intellectually. Um, well, Shams also has a reputation for being aloof and not um, easy to um, join gatherings of people. And in fact, he was known as the flying Shams, not because he could fly up in the air, but because he never remained apparently in one location long enough. So before people got to know him, before they found out who he was, he had left. Um, with Rumi, this is different, because at least for the first time that Shams arrives there, um, they have a long session that apparently lasts for hours. You know, some people have exaggerated and said days and days, but certainly it was a long, where they sit together and talk and talk talk. And um, not only that, after that, Shams doesn't leave town for the next 15 months, which is highly unusual for him. Now, during this time, a number of um, changes happen to Rumi. He changes, he, he stops teaching in the school. Um, he changes his outfit, which is the traditional kind of turban and, and robe of learned religious teachers. He changes it into some kind of a black um, outfit, much simpler. And the third one is that one day, as he is walking through um, the goldsmith's market, he starts whirling. He starts um, turning around, turning around himself. And it's a practice that later on the followers of Rumi become known with as whirling dervishes. So the most um, significant change, however, is the fact that he starts 
to write more and more and more poetry. Now, some people have said that Rumi never wrote poetry before. The encounter with Shams changed him completely, and it was after that that he started writing poetry. Historically, we know that is not true. We know that he loved poetry, he had written poetry. In fact, he had the pen name Khamush, um, or silent, which he used as a poet. Persian poets had what they called the pen name that always appeared, or tachalos, that always appeared in the very last verse of their poem, kind of signing their own work um, for others. But they also used it for all kind of playful things, addressing themselves, addressing, uh, saying things about themselves that they wish to say in third person. Like Rumi would say, oh, um, Hamush is doing this and doing that. Or Hafez would say, what do you know about Hafez? So using his own name, he addressed himself as a third person. But let's not go in, um, in a, a totally different direction, come back to Shams. So um, I think it would be very interesting to see what Rumi says and thinks about Shams to begin with. And in his poetry, um, and maybe I should tell you this uh, before we get to the actual words of Rumi, is that after 15 months, Shams leaves and Rumi is very upset about the fact that he has left and um, there has been a lot of, you know, jealousy about the kind of attention that Rumi, who's very popular and whose sermons are um, sought by in the locals, is kind of, there's a lot of jealousy about how this newcomer into town has totally monopolized the master. So um, that's one de development. Um, so Shams, um, Shams leaves, disappears after 15 months, and Rumi is very upset about that. And then um, people around um, Rumi, friends and, and, uh, and followers, and simply friends, um, they go out, find Shams, and, and including one of his sons, and bring him back. Um, so that's a, that's a nice relief. And then um, after a while, Shams disappears again in, in, in about less than a year, and this time he never comes back. In fact, um, there are rumors that he may have been killed by some people who were, again, very jealous of the kind of love that Rumi had for him. Now, um, for what is um, time that is left of this episode, let us uh, stop just focusing on biographical information, and again go to the words of these two people, Shams and Rumi. Shams, I will leave the, his sayings for the later part, so let me just tell you what Rumi says about him. Is that First, Rumi changes his own poetic pen name from Khamush to Shams. So the entire body of the lyric poetry of Rumi, written um, uh, known as the Divan, is often referred to as the Divan of Shams. That is because 
his pen name is Shams, not because Shams has written those poems. And I think that's a great statement. In a way, he's talking about the melding of their identities, if you like. The fact that he has internalized Shams. And I'm going to come back to this point because I think it's an important point about teaching and about guiding that instead of remaining um, totally attached to your teacher and having to follow that person step by step, there comes a time when you internalize some of that wisdom and then start taking your own steps and making your own interpretations. So how does Rumi talk about Shams? Um, interestingly enough, um, by speaking in riddles, by not saying very much, by saying something but not saying very much. Uh, for example, in one point in the Masnavi, he says, خود قریبی در جهان چون شمس نیست. There is not a غریب in the world like Shams. And the word غریب is very, very interesting because it could be unusual. It could be even a stranger to this world. But it could also be amazing. Something that is totally amazing and bewildering to ordinary intellect. So basically, um, there is not a gharib in the world, but there's not a person more um, unique, if you like, in the world as Shams. And then he actually elsewhere explains this. He says, I don't want to talk about him directly because خوشتران باشد که سر دلبران گفته آوید در حدیث دیگران I don't want to really talk about him directly because it's much more um, pleasant and fun and, and uh, delightful to speak about the one you love in indirect ways because when you directly speak about someone you're kind of claiming to be telling the truth about them, kind of describing them, defining them, um, which in a way limits them and might even make them small. But if you talk about them indirectly, you always leave this to the imagination of your listener to build the rest of the story. خوشتران باشد it is always more delightful that the mysteries of the beloved would be told as you talk about other people. Elsewhere, um, he even uh, goes further and uses a beautiful metaphor about the sun, which is light-giving, um, but it also means shams. So the word shams actually means the sun. And when Rumi says, The sun is the best evidence for the existence of the sun. 
آفتاب آمد دلیل آفتاب گر دلیلت باید از وی رخمت The sun is the evidence of the existence of the sun. If you really need any evidence, just turn your face in the direction of the sun. Which again refers to another quality that, that Rumi very much encourages and then that is actively seeking that which you want to get to know. Joining the dance, whirling, as opposed to sitting in a corner. There is a, there's another way um, Rumi speaks about Shams. So that is when he talks about the city of Tabriz. Sarbana bar buksha zushtaran shahr Tabriz astuku yadil satan farafirdos ast in Pauli's raw shashay arsha. این تبریز را هر زمانی فوج روحنگیز جان از فراز عرش بر تبریزیان So the caravan master Sarban let go let the camels you know, open, open the, the, the loads put down the loads that the, car- the camels are carrying This is Tabriz. This is the city of my beloved. Let them rest. Let them sit down. And then he goes on to say that this city has the glory of the heavens and it has the the glow of the heavenly cities. And every moment, the soul of those um, who are, who are, who give life to your soul, Ruhangis, who, who uh, bring life to your soul, they are speaking to the Tabrizis from the heaven every day. In other words, so he, he uh, speaks about the city of Shams as opposed to Shams himself. Um, now Shams himself, says things about himself which is quite interesting in terms of being equally enigmatic. One of my favorites, favorite ones is this. And by the way, Shams never wrote down his own speeches or presentations or sermons, whatever you like to call them. People around him did. And now we have them in a, um, in a book form um, known as um, Um, the sayings of Shams and um, actually has been, is in the process of being uh, translated into English and may very soon be available. It's a beautiful collection of sayings. So it's not a full sermon like where he begins in one place and then ends and there's a beginning, a middle, and end, but the, what is in the book are kind of selections from what he says, which are very, very interesting. One of them is this. On your segun khat neveshti. That beloved of mine, presumably referring to God, wrote three kinds of scripts. On your segun khat neveshti. یکی را همو خاندی به هم غیر 
one of these scripts he could read and everybody else could read as well. یکی را او خاندی ولا غیر One of these scripts he could read but other people could not. یکی را نه او خاندی نه غیر او And there was one script that he wrote that neither he could read nor others. آن خط سبوم منم I am the third script. So again, in Persian and then in English, An yar segun khat nevishti, Yeki ra hamu khandi ve ham gheir. Yeki ra u khandi ve la gheir. Yeki ra na u khandi na gheir u. An khat sevo, mana. That beloved wrote three kinds of scripts. One script, he could read, but others could not. The second kind of script, um, no, I'm sorry, the first kind of script, he could read and others could read too. The second script, he could read and others could not. And the third one, neither he could read nor others. In other words, God wrote me as a script that even he could not read. So what does he say? In one way, he's saying that Creation does not end with putting us on this earth. God writes us as, as a script, but what we do with this script, what we build out of ourselves, is a process of continued creation and recreation. And there is not necessarily the same thing that he created at the beginning. Another um, interpretation of this um, and you might be now hearing some lively people walking outside my window. It's always um, nice to hear happy passerbys. But anyway, back to Shams. So another interpretation could be that um, this is script that the beloved wrote, but he cannot read it himself even. The only way it could be is that is a kind of script that never stays motionless, never stays in a stationary position. It's constantly changing. And really, when you look at Shamsa's life, that is very much what he's like. He's, he's changing, he's traveling, he's talking, he's sometimes offending big people, always defending the underdog and so he, there is this kind of a stormy uh, being who also sees for himself a kind of responsibility to speak and that's very interesting about Shams. He says, اگر گفتنی باشد و همه عالم از ریش من درآویزد که مگر نگویم آن سخن من بدان کس برسد if there is something that's worth saying and a whole world holds on to me to prevent me from saying it literally actually he says if the whole world hangs from my beard <laughs> trying to prevent me from saying it because he always has this really stinging kind of 
um, sense of humor. So if the whole world hangs from my beard, so I don't say it, on sohanaman bedon kasperasat keman khastebashem. That my word reaches the person that I want. Agar chepasas hazar sohbashem. Even if it's after a thousand years. In other words, what he's really, he's not claiming any miracles. What he's saying is that if you have something worth saying, say it because it is going to make a difference. Either to you or to the people who come. I mean, either to you or to people around you or the people who come way after you. He also has a fairly kind and sweet personality. And he says, if he prays, he says, Kashki obate hamachalg mara mikardi, taishan ra tuzach nabayastidi. I wish God would punish me for all the sins that everybody else has committed so that they don't have to respond for it. They don't have to suffer punishment. Somewhere else he says, اگر از ترکستان تا به شام کسی را خاری در انگوش شود آن از آن من است اگر از ترکستان تا به شام کسی را خاری در انگوش شود آن از آن من است so if from um, Turkmenistan to the city of Damascus Somebody has a wound in his hand or rather a thorn hurting a finger. That is the smallest kind of hurt. I feel that. That is my pain. Which again, he's not, he's not claiming some kind of miraculous feeling, but rather he says that you should be feeling it. You should feel the pain of anybody. Anywhere, and that's one of the characteristics of Shams. He's open, open to others. He says, "Chandan do standarim, der kelisaha wa botkadeha." Says, "I have many, many friends in churches, in temples. You know, so in other words, it's not only Muslims who are, who are my friends." It's where he says, "If I were God, if I could control things, I would." create the whole world in the same color so there would be no war shamshir namandi vaqar namandi so there would be no wars no conflicts um, even more beautifully about you know how muslims pray in the direction of mecca he says that's just a building everyone around the world um, prays in that direction if you lift that building from the middle, these people are praying in each other's directions. In other words, in other words, connect with other people. Um, they are your friends. Their pains should be your pain. And if that could happen, there would be a, war, a world in which um, there would be no wars. And actually, he's very outspoken. I'm not going to make this particular episode 
that much longer so I will have quotes from Shams in the future um, radio roomy programs um, for now um, let me see if I can find one that I like to end this one with oh yes this is one of this is one of my favorites پیش ما یک بار مسلمان نتوان شدن بلکه ره پیمای طریق مسلمان می شود کافر می شود باز مسلمان می شود و هر باری از هوای چیزی بیرون می آید تا آن وقت که کامل شود So there is no one time perfect faith As far as I'm concerned People have to turn faithless and then become faithful again every day. In other words, it's a daily journey for all of us. Well, I hope you got a taste of who or the enigma that is Shams of Tabriz, who um, had a great impact on the life and thought of Rumi. Again, don't forget that you could write to me about uh, uh, anything you like or any questions you have at radio rumi um, at umd.edu and um, I look forward to being able to address some of the points that you make um, and um, look forward to the next time we can talk again again this is Fatima Keshavars and this is radio rumi till then Yeah, 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 yeah